I say this a lot. You don't have to have everybody agree with you, but you have to have everybody on the same page. Welcome to the Durango Joe's podcast, where we believe everyone deserves a smile, a warm greeting, and a great cup of coffee. I'm your host, Trevor Ogborn, and as always, I have Joe Lloyd on the mic. Joe, how's your house coming along? Wow, that's a good question. Because um, we were just talking a little bit. You've got a, a beautiful, well, the pictures, the models look beautiful, yet to be seen. Right. But we are building a new house. And to be honest, um, yeah, it's going okay. We've uh, started the project a while ago. We've had some pauses, I would say, uh, in the process. But we're going to be framing the house here in about two weeks. So that's that's a positive thing. So I'm excited about that. Now that, that the way you said positive tells me that there's some challenges along with building your home. Unbelievable. I mean, again, when I said that I was wanting to kind of be the GC, the general contractor, and, and I brought a, another guy on with me to help me do that, um, just in the sense of the immensity of things to do to the details, it's just you know, crazy. And I know uh, Tiffany, who's on with us today, her husband actually manages projects much, much, much bigger than a house. Yeah. And so dealerships I and oh yeah, big projects. So to take on a house, you know, uh, for me, I thought, you know, I could do it and I can, but there's a lot of challenges. And right now we're um, in the phase of making decisions about, you know, countertops and tile and paint colors and all that fun stuff. So with all those decisions, I mean, a lot of flavor, a lot of personal taste can uh, come on the line with that. Oh, absolutely. And so Leanna and I, you know, we've had disagreements. Like, uh, you know, we're like, not fighting, but, you know, do you like this tile? And I'm like, no. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I don't like it, you know. So we have to come to (laughs) an agreement. And sometimes conflict arises. And we've got to kind of figure that out because we're two separate people. We have our likes and dislikes. And so we have to, you know, work together. And how long have you guys been married again? Uh, It will be, it's 31 years. And have you gone a single one of those years without conflict? Um, No. In fact, you could say almost, have you gone a single day without conflict? Oh no, (laughs) come on, Joe. No, there's probably been days that we haven't, but conflict, I'll tell you right now, is a normal part of relationships. Mm -hmm. And today we're talking about it. Absolutely. And that's why we've brought Tiff here because Tiff has just a breadth of knowledge about our culture and how we manage that and build it up. And just like Joe pointed out, conflict follows you wherever you are, wherever there's two people coming together, there's going to be conflict. So Tiff, welcome to the microphone. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Great having you. So let's start out. Joe gave us kind of a good example of conflict, but let's give a definition for conflict and how we understand what that is. Yeah. So I would say that the baseline of all conflict is a disagreement between two human beings. And to Joe's point, it happens in every single relationship. You can't have relationship without conflict. And if you are assuming that you do, well, then it's very much a a fake piece, I would say, a fake harmony. Uh, But conflict also then ventures into the land of there's a healthy way to do it and a toxic way to do it. But at its base, it's a disagreement. 
So tell me about those two sides of conflict, because again, it's something that everyone's going to go through. And you pointed out there's that kind of healthier side and that more toxic side. What differentiates the two? I think there's a lot of factors that can play into this. Um, and I think a lot of that comes back to, you can't sit here possibly and list every single type of conflict there is. However, I would say there's some generalizations uh, when it comes to a toxic type of conflict, when you venture into land of gossip, uh, when you're sitting down talking with somebody who can't actually help solve the problem, um, you have an issue with somebody and you're talking to somebody else about it, that's toxic. Uh, making it personal when you get into a conflict or a disagreement or an argument and you attack the personhood of the individual you are speaking with, that's also very toxic and unhealthy uh, there's a difference between disagreeing with somebody and, you know, calling them a pig face liar. <laughs> <laughs> so as someone who we've talked a little bit about the disc profile before mm -hmm. and within those different categories, there are certain personalities and I fall in this category, um, as a, like S is one of my secondary ones, but someone who is very uncomfortable typically with initiating conflict. So to me, it's oftentimes feels a lot easier and nicer to just kind of shove stuff under the rug. Mm -hmm. Why is conflict so important? Why is that something that someone who's uncomfortable with it shouldn't just flat out avoid? Absolutely. I have a dear friend of mine who is also an S and, uh, this is my unashamed plug. Go back and listen to the disc podcast, um, previously. And I speak to this because the, the fuel, the air in their lungs, the gas in their tank, must have and get very angsty if they don't have for S's is peace and harmony. They want peace and harmony. However, I feel there's a very distinct difference between true peace and harmony and a surface level fake peace and harmony. And when we move through life avoiding the conflict, avoiding the confrontation, avoiding the hard conversation, it might be on the outside or on the surface level seem like there's peace and harmony, but deep down inside, both individuals most likely are raging, are <laughs> upset, are not um, okay with each other. And typically that doesn't come out, especially in a, with an S, it doesn't come out in like a full on like loud argumentative conversation. It comes out in little nitpicky, passive aggressive, like you can just an observer watching those two react in any given situation as simple as unloading the dishwasher. And it's like, they are not okay. Um, you can see it because they they start picking at each other and they're just not, um, it's not harmonious. It's not true harmony. It's not deep down harmony because they're avoiding the hard conversation. Joe, you've been in management long enough to have certainly seen what that kind of maybe artificial harmony looks like. What is the problem with that perceived harmony? And what does it look like when that right. eventually erupts? Comes to a, yeah, I was gonna say it comes to a head. Yeah, I think, you know, when you have this, this uh, fake, if you will, kind of harmony, that's part of your culture, you really, it's a disservice to the company. It's a disservice to the individuals that are, that you serve or are you with. It's be, it's because um, you're not going to really move forward. You're never going to grow if you cannot learn to communicate in contentious kind of ways that result in outcomes that are are beneficial. And there's ways to do that, and there's ways not to do that. I mean, people that avoid or delay conflict can hurt relationships and create other negative outcomes at all at the same time. So really. Uh, you know, hitting those points where you're 
you're not agreeing or you're having to make a decision that, that maybe everybody needs to weigh in on, it's so important to take time to do that and do it in a way that gets everybody on board and so that the team can move forward and to where individuals basically aren't hurt or left in your wake feeling like, man, I wasn't hurt or I can't believe they made that decision. Those are, those are things that happen when communication isn't done properly. Because when you walk out of a room, I say this a lot, you don't have to have everybody agree with you, but you have to have everybody on the same page in alignment with you. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to agree, but everybody is, is going to walk out and go, hey, maybe my idea wasn't the one they picked, but I'm in alignment with what we're going to do. And so, and that's where you want to be because let's be real, not everyone's going to agree, but that's not the point. If that's the point, then you're going to be hitting your head against the wall all day long, trying to please somebody else and to be liked when that's not the goal. Well, let's talk about alignment because that's definitely one of the benefits of having conflict. What are some of the other benefits that come from initiating and participating in, I'll, I'll put an asterisk here, the healthier side of conflict? Because it's, I don't, th I think the majority of people definitely find it uncomfortable. So let's talk about, yeah, those benefits. Why does initiating healthy conflict help? I think within an organization, it helps you come up with uh, more effective and progressive outcomes. You know, when when two people come to the table and maybe see implementing something in different capacities, that causes you to look at both sides of an equation. It causes you to really evaluate, you know, hey, why do I believe this strongly about this? And why does the other person believe strongly? See it from both perspectives and come to an actually probably better conclusion in the end anyway. That's more effective. So I think we've, acknowledge some universal truths here. Conflict happens. It's all around us. There's no way to avoid it. And that participating in that conflict in a healthy way is beneficial and helps relieve that, that tension, align the team, come up with those more cohesive and collaborative ideas and resolutions. What does unhealthy conflict look like though? And how can we avoid it? I think, you know, if unhealthy conflict is going to occur, it's going to occur because there's a lack of trust in the room, meaning you're, you haven't built up the equity in, e in each other enough to trust their decision or their comments because you're going to take what they say and you're going to filter it through this filter of distrust. And that's going to cause suspicion. And when there's suspicion in the room right there, right now, it, you might as well just all get up and walk out because it ain't going to get better after that. So in order to really walk in a place where, where you can believe in each other and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's going to happen over time. It doesn't happen at one setting. And I think at Durango Joe's, we've have, we have a leadership team that's been around for, I think all of us, almost a decade. Okay. Where we know each other. I've known Tiff since she was, you know, I would say this little girl, which was <laughs> probably 21, mm -hmm. you know, an adult, an adult, <laughs> but she's done life with Durango Joe's yeah. with us. And we, I know her, I know her character. I know her heart. I know if she says something, it's not directed at my personality or it's directed at the situation that we're going after to try to solve. And so the same with Steve, you know, he's been with our company for 12 or 13 years now and I know his heart and that makes our conversations so much better because I trust 
his heart. I trust his instincts. And without that time together, I think there would be moments where I think we, we would have all been screaming and yelling at each mm -hmm. other and walking out going, I'm done. And I think the trust in each other comes back to, uh, or why it's so important is that we do have times where the conflict isn't healthy. Uh, that still happens because that's always going to happen. But when you trust each other and you trust the person of each other and the heart of each other, you know that maybe that particular conversation didn't go well. Uh, but we have on more than one occasion, all come back to each other and gone, that didn't go well. Right. And, and, and let's talk about it now in a healthy capacity. But we trust each other enough to do that as opposed to let it just sit down in there as this thing that's like, check one. Like, I'm going to bring that up later, you know? Right. And so um, I, I think that's why that's another layer of that trust being so important. Well, and like you said, you've known Tiff for quite a long time, Steve also, and a lot of the members of your core leadership team are very ingrained with each other, have been with each other a long time. So that trust has had a lot of time to build. But the reality is you guys aren't on an island. There's managers, there's, well, the store management teams themselves are are adjusting and changing and there's new leaders coming up into that all the time. And then there's also baristas and we've talked about turnover and things like that before, but that's the reality of it. So how do you build trust with teams that are not only ever changing, but that are coming in to a situation where there's this really strong, already trusting leadership team and there may be outside of that? Yeah. So I, we do a team building every time there's a new leadership team and meaning leadership being the store leader, assistant store leader and the shift leaders. And that's a great question in that some of them are like brand new to each other. Sometimes they're transferring from another location and have quite literally never even worked together on a shift or in a store. And so we take the time uh, to do a team building and the a huge portion of that team building is diving into each other's personal stories. It's a great foundation piece to work from in developing what I really appreciate is a, a vulnerability-based trust and um, understanding who we are and where we come from. So we answer questions about ourselves and um, you know, there's a leadership team member that also participates in this. And I feel like that is very important because it's typically myself at times it's been Joe or Steve as well, but it's typically myself who starts off by answering these questions. And one of the questions besides just like, where are you from? And do you have siblings and things like that? But one of the questions is what's the challenge that you have faced or are currently facing? And I choose to get a little vulnerable with my answer in the hopes that it really opens up uh, a platform for others to feel like they can they can also be vulnerable and they can also open up a little bit about themselves in a safe environment. And I feel like a, the leadership taking this stand first to do so is extremely important. And then that opens up to everyone else being able to go, yeah, I've, I've faced some challenges in my life too. Here's one of mine. And that helps us understand each other from human to human. Uh, you know, this is where I come from and this is what I have going on, which leads right into, of course, the personality based as well. Because to your point earlier, Trevor, I, you know, we have that absolutely plays a role in how, you know, approaching conflict or confrontation with each different personality type. It should be a your approach to the you know different personality types should be different. Understanding a little bit about their personality. Yeah, Absolutely. So on the line of other ingredients, because trust we've talked about as this key ingredient of that healthy conflict, what are some of the other things that need to be thrown in the mix, stirred in the pot? 
within these teams in order to guarantee or at least encourage, I should say, healthy conflict over the alternative? Even when we have these leadership team, it starts with the leadership team. That is why we have uh, these team buildings, you know, because if the leadership team is in a, a cohesive unit that has the the trust with each other and can lead that as an example for their entire store and entire staff, then it is not going to happen amongst the store and the staff. And we often um, are the ones who receive the news of, you know, hey, this thing is going on. I'm frustrated with this, you know, whether it's a barista coming to us, one of the leadership team members, um, even as of late, I've participated in a few conversations. And I will say you can typically see it in a meeting, much like I gave my example of watching two individuals unload a dishwasher. You can tell if there's conflict or not. There's time in a meeting at Durango Joe's, you can watch them and it's, they get on a topic about the way that the espresso machine is being broken down. And you can tell if they're on a healthy playing field or not. Like you can see the like, mm, there's something there that needs to be talked about. And sure enough, we have created a culture that this is not by any means a perfect, this happens this way all the time, but we have created a culture that during a meeting that I was very much sensing, like there's something here, uh, very quickly afterwards, one of the individuals sat down with me and expressed some concerns. And I was like, I could tell, I could kind of tell. Well, hey, we are a place where we talk about it. We, it is very well known amongst Durango Joes that we will not let any barista or store leader transfer locations because of drama or conflict. We are all grownups. We're going to sit down, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk through it at, to get to a better resolve, to get to better trust, to get to a healthier scenario all around. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that we aren't going to just accommodate people and put them in seats where they're hopefully going to just escape that conflict that they're going to experience because ultimately it sounds like you would be doing them a disservice. They don't mm -hmm. have that opportunity to learn and how to have that conflict and build that team. You're just kind of whooshing them away and hoping it's going to be better elsewhere. But as we know, conflict follows you around. Yeah, it does. And I think at Durango Joe's, we do most of our, I think, one-on-one -on -one training. It evolves around conflict, really teaching people how to deal with appointments with other people in life that might be very uncomfortable. And just walking them through some steps of going, yeah, this is how you confront this situation. I think that's a lot of what we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're people, we're humans, and conflict is just everywhere. And if you don't deal with it, it just builds up. It builds up and somebody ends up blowing up. Yeah. And then they walk off the job or they decide to move to another job thinking that they won't find conflict at another job. And everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really is something that we focus on a lot because we do have no drama policy and we do believe we're all grownups and we want to make sure that we treat one another with respect and we hear people out. And does it work out all the time? Because some people don't want to go there because personally they're not at a place in their life where they're ready to look at themselves in the mirror you know, and go, yeah, I, I really need to change this, how, how I approach somebody, because that's not cool. But they may leave, but that's kind of what we do here at Durango yeah. Joe's, because we have to have healthy teams in order to be successful. And I can put numbers to it, Trevor. When we have an unhealthy team, our numbers are down, period. Absolutely end of story, unequivocally, 
that's what happens. And so our efforts are to make sure that our leaders are communicating well with their teams at all times. And it takes constant care in that area. I'm going to latch on to one of the things you said in there, because we were just talking about the key ingredients of healthy conflict. And you said that sometimes we run into people that don't necessarily or aren't necessarily ready to look themselves in the mirror and kind of recognize some things about themselves. And I think that really goes into emotional intelligence, which I know is just another one of those key ingredients. So talk to me a little bit about emotional intelligence and what role that plays in kind of leveling the table or the playing field and allowing for that conflict to happen. I think the self-awareness piece is so huge. And it's very, very important that we make sure that our, our, our teams are self-aware. And part of the DISC is really that, making our team members self-aware of who they are and how they relate with other people and how people relate to them. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that also comes back to, I mean, it all comes, boils down to self-awareness and knowing that you can't control anybody else in this world or manipulate them, but you can adjust yourself. You can control yourself to how you approach. Uh, I would say one of the key ingredients that I have found to help someone who's not emotionally intelligent or realizing where they're coming from, uh, to participate is to come to that conversation as a leader in a spirit of curiosity and fact finding, uh, that plays a huge role because if you come and you, you even, even just come and say like, we heard that you said this, you know, so-and-so that you said this, if we came in that type of almost like an attack or an accusation, then that person would shut down immediately, especially if they're not an emotionally intelligent. And honestly, I feel like that's a very unemotionally intelligent way or emotionally unintelligent way to approach that, that conversation. Totally. So, uh, I have sat in conversations where I just come in a spirit of curiosity and I just say, Hey, you know, we've heard some feedback cause you have to acknowledge that we've heard some feedback, uh, you know, that you may have some concerns or that you've spoken up about different topics and, you know, depending on the conversation and the person, you know, I may list some of those examples, but very much out of, in, instead of accusatory, it's a, tell me about where you're at. Like, tell me about what's going on. And um, nine times out of 10, that person's like, well, I didn't say that. I said da, 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 da. And, and that gives you the open door to say, okay, okay. Yeah, no, I hear you. And just really reaffirming that you hear them because if they feel heard, then they will continue to talk. But if you're, if you attack what they're saying and say, no, like that is not true or no, you know, you shouldn't have said it that way. Well, then they're going to shut down immediately and you're going to get nowhere. So reaffirming, you know, where they're at and what their feelings and emotions are in that moment helps you navigate with them. And they often have the power of the answer within themselves, but you have to lead them through. And that's takes a lot of practice and it's not always done well, but that's always the goal. Well, and another one of the ingredients that we were going to talk about is empathy. And what I heard in that too, is you're walking into these situations with a lot of empathy towards the people that you're, you're having to, or facilitating that conflict with mm -hmm. trying to understand where are they coming from with this and giving them that open door so that they can open up about that. Yeah, absolutely. Focusing on what you're hearing and not what they're saying is a huge piece of that as well. Give me another ingredient of healthy conflict. Coming back to one more piece of emotional intelligence and, and self-awareness, I feel like those go hand in hand, is the ability to fight clean and not fight dirty. 
meaning, you know, having the awareness to walk into a conversation and speak with respect and to understand that really that what is the heart of this issue? If you can't identify the heart of the issue and you're pointing to all the symptoms of the things that are going wrong, that's typically where you're getting into. I mean, this is even on like, uh, you know, relationships outside of work too, but that's typically where you're going like, but you do this and I can't believe you said this and you always, and you never. And, uh, those are not productive conversations. And those are often you nevers and you always are pointing to the symptoms and not the actual heart of what's going on within yourself. Again, you can't sit and try and diagnose the other person, but diagnose yourself. Why am I upset with this person right now? What's the heart of the issue? And on a really simple level, I would add as well, uh, what environment are you sitting in when the conflict happens? If a conversation needs to happen, you know, I would really make sure that one, not you're not starving. Uh, nothing goes no, no, nothing goes well when you're hangry. Um, <laughs> and you know, what's even as simple as like, what's the temperature of the room? Are there a lot of distractions? Are you in the middle of a really busy hallway where people are coming by, or you know, maybe you're sitting in an office and you tend to have an open door policy to your office, so you know, if I'm going to have this conversation right now, I'm probably going to have three people knock on the door. And is this a conversation that's okay with that, or is this a conversation? that maybe needs to be brought elsewhere to a different location. You know, what are your distractions? What is the comfortability of the place and the environment? As silly as it is, it actually makes a profound impact on the outcome of that conversation. And that, I mean, that is so huge, Tiffany. That is my probably biggest downfall as a leader over the years has been when, do, when I address conflict, you know, or a problem. Uh, because I don't mind conflict. I'm I'm of the personality that, hey, if I need to have an argument or a fight or a discussion, I'm open. Let's do it right now. And there could be 10 people around and I'm okay with that, but that other person is not. And I have really had to do it exactly what you just said, Tiff, and dial in when am I going to address this? Because the when... And the how plays a huge role in the outcome and the success. Not only whether you're right or wrong, but mostly because how that relationship ends with that person you're having conflict with. And so really, because I can come in, I'm all, I'm coming in hot, I'm mad. And if I'm not taking a deep breath, counting to 10 and maybe going, Hey, can we step into a room that doesn't have a bunch of people in it, you know, and, and really just have a conversation. It makes a world of difference. So I, I totally agree with Tiff on that. The environment plays a huge role in the success. And along with that, I feel this one is a little bit of a delicate balance, but setting the stage for that conversation. And the reason I say it's a delicate balance is because there are absolutely times where if you warn the person, you know, I want to talk about this or I want to, you know, have a discussion about this. There are certain personality types or even a certain scenario that would cause that person to like stew on it and be and work themselves into a tizzy and just be like, oh my gosh, this is going to go horrible and like get this horrible mindset about it. And so it's a delicate balance between that and finding the right time frame to still tell somebody and not blindside them, um, to let them know, Hey, we need to have a conversation. I've just been noticing how you've been showing up, um, a little extra late lately. And I just want to touch base and make sure you're feeling well supported. And that way, when you sit down with them in an hour or the next afternoon, they're like, okay, I know what we're talking about. And they're not, you know, versus the, we need to talk. I'll catch you in 10 minutes for that 10 minutes. They're in pure torture. And so it is really important.
important to set the stage, but do it in a really healthy capacity. That is so funny. You are so right on, Def. <laughs> I wish I could be you. Because <laughs> thinking through stuff like that would have saved me so much heartache, you know? In a sense, it's so, so true. And I recently, to make this real, I had one of the uh, leaders of our one of our stores. And I had to have a discussion with them. But they came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I would have really appreciated maybe some, le um, some heads up about mm -hmm. this conversation. Mm -hmm. And that person was so right on. I should have given that person a heads up, just like you said, Tiff, given them maybe a little a warning that, hey, we're going to have this conversation and not to worry him to death, but just to let them know. So they maybe, you know, had some time to process, but hitting them out, you know, from left field. To me, it wasn't a big deal, but to them, now I know. Yeah. You know, now I know that person really needs a heads up. Well, it's so easy to put the, de the, the wall of defense up in that right. moment if you're caught off guard. So yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So what I'm hearing is there is a good time to have conflict. There's a way to stage it. There's a way to put all these ingredients together to try and help encourage that healthier conflict. But how do you know it's time to have conflict or how do you know that you're you're leading into a moment of conflict with someone else. What are the signs? One sign for me, and it works probably every time, is when I'm starting to have a conversation in my head with that person, that's when I need to go talk to them. It's like I'm already arguing with them in my head. And, and the worst thing about it is I'm creating a narrative for them that could be 100% wrong. And so I'm, I'm determining already how I feel. And that's not cool. So what I, what I use as a barometer is, hey, when I'm starting to have a conversation in my head with that person, the other part of my brain pipes up and says, hey, you need to go have a conversation. And 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I do. If you find yourself making excuses as well uh, to simply avoid that icky feeling of not being liked, so maybe it's an excuse like, I'm just going to give them a little more time. I'm just going to, you know, one more chance. If it happens again, if it, ha you know, one more, if it happens again, I will talk with them. You're already there. You need to talk to them. You know, if it's like, well, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. That's not a healthy accountability either. You need to just go and have that conversation. Well, and if you put it off like that, you're really robbing them that chance to learn and correct their behavior. You're, you're basically giving the, them the opportunity to continue irking you or... And it gets more awkward to have the conversation the longer it's gone on too, because that person's like, I've been doing it this way for like months. Why didn't you say something to me before? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's... Well, how often are they actually eager to have that learning opportunity and mm -hmm. know that, oh, there is a way I could be doing this better? Like right. I would say more often than not, people are yeah. looking forward to those opportunities to change and grow. Yep. And I will say not, it's usually not in the, that present moment because most people don't walk away from a hard conversation with warm fuzzies. Like that was great. Um, most of them walk away with like have, needing to process it, but usually they come back from the processing and go, thank you. Yes. If it's done well, they come back and say, thank you. So is there a, a process we can go through in order to initiate and kind of tee up that conversation. We've talked a little bit about the situation and, and when to talk to them and all of those pieces, but is there anything else we can talk about in terms of initiating healthy conflict? I think that your biggest asset in this is your mindset and that, and so 
as a leader who's helping lead other leaders, helping them get in that right mindset. So that's reminding them of some of those principles of DISC. That is, hey, does a conversation need to happen beforehand? Uh, you know, it does, do you need to let in, this person know this is going to have a conversation, this is the time. Um, another piece with us specific to Joe's is, is this a conversation that you can have right before somebody you know, needs to jump on shift? Or does it need to wait oh, until yeah. after shift? Uh, do they need to come in at a totally separate day when they're usually not working? Um, you know, you don't you don't have a really hard conversation just because it works out timing wise effective for us. You don't really have a hard conversation a half hour and then like, OK, have a great shift and then expect them to go be like hunky dory and great with people. Um, so just paying attention to that as well. Now, a lot of what we've talked about so far is from the standpoint of a leader who's in the position of having those harder conversations, initiating that conflict. What advice do you have to someone who is on the receiving end of that, who maybe is uh, having some errors in their behavior or are struggling with their, their tasks, their jobs, something like that, and are now on the receiving end of a conflict type conversation? What advice do we have for someone in that position. You know, I'm, I'm happen to actually face a situation like that right now where I'm, I'm deciding on how to approach this situation, but I'm more worried upon how this person might receive it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm almost deciding whether or not I, again, should really prep that person you know, thoroughly before I unleash, you know, maybe what I need to say, because it could, it's going to create a little conflict because I don't think they're self-aware. Mm. And so that's something you can't compensate for sometimes, you know, if the person's not self-aware, then, then it's really, really hard. But if you've gone, we've gone through the team building, you know, they've, they've done the disc. And so my thought is I'm going to go back to that because we've had connection. We've had a time where we were vulnerable with each other. And so I'm, I'm going to rely on that. And, but having that person really be open and understanding and knowing that, you know, if they can't see life through a certain set of lenses, that's okay. But we want to be, be able to, to open their, their lenses a little more so they can see exactly who they are and what they're, what they're doing and how it's impacting the rest of the team. And so doing that is a very careful, you know, it's a, it's a delicate situation. Tiff would probably do it much better. <laughs> so I'm actually going to be talking to Tiff really, because, you know, I've, I've owned this company for, you know, 17 years. We've been in existence for 17 years, but I don't have all the answers when it comes to this kind of stuff, because it's always evolving and you're always having to learn when it comes to conflict and relationship resolutions and things like that. Yeah. Well, Tiff, can I ask you to, to put yourself in the role of this mm -hmm. hypothetical person that, that Joe's going to have to have a conversation with and talk to us about what you think as that person you can do in order to, to see a healthy resolution to this conflict. Mm -hmm. A little bit to, you know, preface to that is, due to my personality, some of this might differ from a personality to personality, but if I were that individual, if, if it's not a, a situation where you'd have prep me ahead of time, even in that very moment, just saying, I need to say something that's hard. And so this is going to be like, this is a conversation I'm not looking forward to, but I, I feel like we need to have it. It opens the door to me being like, 
okay, this isn't going to be awesome. All right, what's up? <laughs> and, um, and so just kind of getting that permission right out of the gate of that initial conversation, like, can I, can I bring up a topic that maybe isn't the greatest that puts me in a better mind frame than just hitting me with it. And I would also say that, uh, as that individual and going back to your question about, you know, if you are that person on the receiving end it is, it is very difficult to not immediately put up your defenses and immediately feel like I need to, I need to defend myself when I need to tell you all the reasons why I, you know, do all that, but to just take it in and don't take it as a personal attack and opportunity for growth. You can learn, you can grow from those scenarios. And how can I be better early on in my Durango Joe's days? I essentially made a comment to a customer on shift that a leadership team member had heard. And this is when I was a barista. And instead of them calling me out in the moment on that, I got sat down by a manager, my manager at the time. And, and it was something I needed to be called out on. And admittedly, I didn't appreciate the way I got called out on it. But I am proud to say that when I went home and I sat down and I thought through it and realized, you know what, like that part wasn't okay of me. Maybe that this conversation could have been handled better, but that doesn't matter. I still, where, where can I learn? Where can I grow? And how did I grow? Um, for me, that resulted in writing a couple of letters of apology. And I, it's what I did. In fact, it's still in my employee file downstairs. Um, <laughs> I'd but, like to read that. <laughs> it is. There's a letter to you. Anyway, I, that's, that's the approach I try to take. Do I do that perfectly every time? Absolutely not. But just, is this an opportunity for me to grow and get better? And I cannot, I, very rarely does that happen in the moment? Does it happen in that conversation? Again, usually those conversations don't end in like a, well, great conversation. That was warm and fuzzy. I feel, I feel better. You know, typically it ends a little hard and a little rough. And I had to learn to be okay with that on both ends of that type of conversation that this didn't end feeling great, but was it a healthy conversation and then processing it afterwards? So in that situation you're talking about, Tiff, you had a, sounds like a lot of your soreness was a, the way that it was handled in the sense that your peer had the opportunity to hold you accountable in the moment, but instead it wound up escalating to a point where now suddenly you're answering to a lead manager and there's, there's this different power dynamic than had that person on your team held you accountable in the moment for whatever that situation happened to be. So tell me a little bit about the role that we can play mm -hmm. as peers looking out for and helping one another through accountability to avoid these like nastier forms mm -hmm. of conflict down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I feel like, you know, in that scenario, if, if I had a peer who just said, Hey, maybe there's a better way to say that, or Hey, like, did you, did you just hear what you said? Like, did you mean to say it that way? And just kind of ask me the question. I, again, kind of referencing earlier, most people have the answer within themselves, whether they realize it or not of, Oh yeah, no, you're right. So it's just somebody like just asking that question up here going, did, did you mean that? Did you want to say it that way? Or even sometimes I know there's been uh, opportunities of, you know, people not realizing that damages the machine if you clean it that way or that, you know, and as opposed to just being like, um, dear manager, that person over there is doing it wrong. Um, but just saying, Hey, FYI, you may not know that. And so just those little moments of accountability before it escalates into like a full blown sit down meeting, uh, is really important. And in that position, I feel like I would much rather hear in the moment from someone and be able to trust that 
they're going to hold me accountable before I'm in deeper trouble down the road. Having that trust that I mm-hmm. can rely on the people around me to help me out. And that likewise, I can have room to help them out and hold them accountable. That mm-hmm. level of trust I think is so important. Yeah. And that really all comes down to your culture and that takes a long time to develop that peer to peer kind of accountability when it comes to conflict or, you know, helping each other out that it's all about your culture and it's from, it really comes from the top down. It has to be modeled. It has to be modeled. And so people that, you know, in organizations that don't model it, they have, you know, huge levels of dysfunction and, and it's, it's not a fun place to work. And so we try to mitigate that, you know, the best we can. We're always going to have situations where the outcome isn't going to be great. And we know that we're not 100%. We know that there's times when we screw up as leaders. But the heart behind of what we do, what we do and the fact that we have more conversations about conflict resolution and how to treat people right during those times of resolution is where our heart is as a company. And so I have faith in my team that when they go to handle a situation, it's done in the way, best way possible. And because we have that person in mind, we don't have an object in mind. We have, we don't have, we have to be right in mind. Cause there's a lot of times where I've walked out of a conversation. I'm like, wow, we missed the mark. No wonder they're ticked off, <laughs> you know, no wonder they're saying what they're saying because we missed the mark. And so being able to look at ourselves in the mirror again, and we do that a lot. Absolutely. We do a lot of self-reflection as a team going, how can we change? And so it's just, it really comes down again to how self-aware everyone is and how well we manage situations that sometimes don't feel, you know, are always the best, but we have to put our best foot forward and try to do the best we can in order to, you know, have the best outcome. I think one of the most powerful tools through all of this is you, if you're in a leadership position, taking time to really learn more about this sort of stuff. And a lot of what we've talked about today comes from a book that you actually recently recommended to me and I'm starting to read through and really enjoying. So tell me a little bit about this book. Yeah. And just recently I've picked up these books again and reread them more and more as I get older and as I'm sitting in this place of leadership, it is so paramount to have great leadership teams in your, in your stores. If you're going to grow your company, you guys, the only way is to invest in people and invest in them to be great leaders because that's how you're going to see success. But Patrick Lencioni, he's the author of probably half a dozen or more books. But uh, the one book that I read about eight years ago or seven or eight years ago is called The Advantage. Yeah. And it really is a, is, is a recipe for success when it comes to building teams properly. And the book that he wrote back in 2004, which is a, it's a hallmark of a book, it's called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it talks about and goes through, you know, what are the dysfunctions of a team? One, they don't have trust. Mm-hmm. Two, they don't know how to deal with conflict, you know? And it goes through the five dysfunctions of a team, but it also gives you the recipe of how to fix that. And we've taken over the years, those recipes and have put them into place. So everything pretty much you're hearing from Tiff and I are things that we've learned from Patrick Lencioni and his books. And so we've taken everything pretty much 
to heart and put it into practice. And it's really, really helped us. Yeah. Like I said, I'm reading through the advantage right now and it does such a great job of just capturing these different concepts. And like, it's, it's an amalgamation of his other books. It's like the sweet and condensed version. So you really get to the, the nugget of truth that you need to learn from in that book. So the advantage has been fantastic for me and it's model for handling conflict and how to process and understand why it happens and what it looks like is super informative. You know, he's got a great podcast. Uh, I listen to it every week and, you know, it's another way of learning is listening to other leaders, you know, and if you're a leader out there, take advantage of the wealth of information that is on podcasts. I mean, it's almost like you're cheating because you're getting this information for free from the best minds in the world. There's so many ways to learn these days with all the resources we have available to us that are absolutely 100% free. And um, so I just encourage you as a leader, go out and invest in yourself that way. It's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Joe, as we wrap up, if there's one thing that our listeners can take away from this episode on conflict, what, what would you tell them? I would say, and we talked about it early on, that conflict, if you're going to have healthy conflict, there's got to be a level of trust among your team members. And um, like Tiff said, that's not something you do in one meeting. That takes time. And so developing that trust, investing in your team so you trust one another. The second thing I think is just understanding that conflict is natural. It is natural. It's not unnatural. So as much as it unnerves us sometimes <laughs> to be in conflict, know that you're okay. You're not in a place that is foreign to people. It's what we have to deal with and it's okay. And conflict is necessary if we're going to grow and we're going to change as, 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 as a company or as a group. And so realizing that. And then the, then the fourth thing is really understanding that leaders must allow room for conflict. And I think Tiff again nailed it in allowing room for conflict, um, hearing people out, asking the right questions and, and really knowing that, you know, if you make room for conflict, prepare yourself to be in conflict before you just jump in like I have done so many times in my life before and knowing that that's, that's, that's the way to handle it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Durango Joe's podcast. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the Durango Joe's podcast anywhere you'd like to listen. And you can follow us on Facebook so you don't miss another episode. Just put Durango Joe's podcast into the search bar. The Durango Joe's podcast is published by Durango Joe's Coffee. It's hosted by Joe Lloyd and Trevor Ogborn. That's me. I write, edit, and produce these episodes through my business, Brewed Up, which specializes in helping coffee businesses get clear on their brand, content strategy, and communications. You can find out more about that at the link in the show notes. Next week, we'll be sharing another episode of At the End of the Day, the other podcast from Durango Joe's Coffee, where Joe shares his timely insights in five minutes or less. Until then, Durango Joe's. Love people, love coffee. Um, for me, that resulted in writing a couple of letters of apology. And I, it's what I did. In fact, it's still in my employee file downstairs. Um, <laughs> I'd but, like to read that. <laughs> it is. There's a letter to you. Now, was that letter addressed to me? Did I? Mm-hmm. You read it. Did I? My, uh, do you want me to tell you what it is? I mean, I'm probably not put this yeah, in Yeah, don't put it on the podcast.